Welcome back to the Dig City Podcast. I'm Corey Palm with head coach Dave Shondell. Coach, we've got some good stuff to talk about this week. We'll touch on the way the regular season wrapped up uh, a little bit down the line here. Uh, a very positive weekend in Michigan. We'll get to that. But, uh, you know, the, the lead story, of course, is the postseason is here mm-hmm. and the Boilermakers uh, got a, a good seed and have the opportunity to host here this opening weekend. Yeah, we came out okay uh, when the smoke cleared. Uh, we won seven of our last matches against pretty good competition. I think about 13 of our last 16 um, in the Big Ten, and that put us in a position to be on the three line. So I guess seated somewhere between 9 and 12, the way I do the math, uh, Muncie Community Schools math. <laughs> and um, and you can't complain about that um, with this young team to be – able to develop the way that they did and win some big matches and get the attention of the committee. Um, we're at home for the first two, providing we win. We've got Fairfield. That's a team that is a fairly regular uh, part of the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're very competitive in that league. And we see them on Thursday night. And if we win that, we'll play the winner of Marquette and Eastern Illinois. Marquette would be the favorite in that match, although Eastern Illinois has won a boatload of, of matches this year, and uh, it's kind of, they're kind of a story in themselves. Eastern Illinois has been a bottom dweller, um, even in their own conference, I think. you know. And now a uh, new coach has really changed the culture and uh, brought in some really good players. And so I, I think that they'll have a shot uh, with Marquette. But um, those will both be at home. And Thursday and Friday night, the match is – uh, sold out in about three minutes, um, and people are clamoring around here for tickets right now and, and hoping that they're going to be able to find one if they don't have one. So hopefully they have access to StubHub and SeatGeek and a few of the other uh, outlets that provide tickets at a, a much higher price than what they could have gotten. It is a, it is a wild yeah. reality in college volleyball that the secondary ticket market is pretty hot. Like you yeah. said, you get elevated ticket prices, but... Uh, where there's a will, there's a way. That that hasn't always been the case. No, I can remember even you know eight, ten years ago that we had to do a lot of marketing and motivating to get to this place sold out. We didn't get it done in in three minutes. But um, as you pointed out, across the country, volleyball is blowing up, and uh, the Big Ten is the premier volleyball conference. And, and we've always been a leader in attendance um, here at Purdue even back to the Carol Dewey days Mm -hmm. when she got this thing jump-started back in the late 70s and into the 80s and 90s. And, um, you know, we're still uh, living off some of the the momentum she she started for us back in those days. So uh, we're excited to have, you know, a a packed house. We're going to have our students there in full force, and we're going to need them because it's tournament time, and you need everything you can get to try to advance uh, on. If we would would be fortunate to beat uh, two teams here, we would head to Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, the top seed that is expected to come out of that to play us, whoever comes out of our site, would be Oregon. Uh, and then, of course, the Badgers would be lying in the wake yeah. there at uh, Badger Fieldhouse. Yeah, like you said, that is down the line, and we hope we get to talk about that yeah. for, for sure. Hopefully um, next week we'll be maybe chatting about it. No doubt. A lot of work to do. Fairfield comes in having won seven in a row, um, four of those in – you know, 3-0 sweep fashion. They are they're playing very well mm-hmm. right now. Um, one of those uh, wins was 
was well, their most recent win over Quinnipiac. They actually avenged their most recent loss. So uh, what do you know about Fairfield at this point? Well, I've watched a lot of them in the last uh, 24 hours. And to be frank, they're better than I expected. Um, you don't know what to expect when you get a team from a, you know, a smaller conference on the East Coast. But they have some really nice athletes. I've been impressed with their athletic ability. They've got some outside hitters that don't get cheated. They come in and take some really good swings at the ball. Their setter is crafty. Um, and uh, you, know, you can see how they won their league after you watch them play because it, it's a solid volleyball team. And, um, and they have some size and some spots where you need it to be successful and, and athletic. So um, you know, we'll, we'll be ready for them, um, but, but nothing will be easy at this point. Absolutely. Fair, uh, Fairfield, the, the regular season and the Metro Atlantic Conference Tournament champions. So uh, coming in with a good pedigree there. Um, on the other side of, of the foursome playing on Thursday is, like you said, Eastern Illinois Marquette, mm-hmm. uh, who you saw earlier this year. Is there anything, I know I know secondary scouting reports are what they are. You focus on the, the opponent right. in front of you. But what can you glean from you know a potential matchup with Marquette in your previous meetings? Well, I think we beat him 17-15 in the fifth. It was tight down in uh, Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean I, I know it was a two pointer and I thought it was extra digits and I'm just throwing seventeen fifteen out. I could be off on that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fast. But I think it went back and forth uh, a little bit before it finally ended. I know it did the same thing the night before against Kansas mm-hmm. where there's some, some controversial calls on that one. But um no, I, I think that Marquette is a really good team. They've been in the tournament consistently. They're uh one of the, the top dogs in the big east. They and um Creighton have, have kind of owned that conference here lately. St. John knocking on the door a little bit, and hopefully my son's Butler Bulldogs will emerge in that league uh, here in the next few years. But um, Marquette's good. they got a veteran team with, with a good setter, with good ball control, with uh, really good pin attackers and some athletic middle attackers. And uh, obviously they gave us everything we wanted and more, and we played them on a neutral floor um, over in uh, Kansas. So uh, they're good, and they're well coached. So um, I would think that they would beat Eastern Illinois, but I think Eastern Illinois will come in here with, with plenty to offer. Uh, just to verify, it was 17-15 in the fifth. How oh, was it? It was 29-27 in the fourth. Yeah. So it was uh, two, two points late to the two last sets. And, and it's funny because, you know, that was at a time we didn't know if we were very good or not. Yes, that's true. You know, we had, uh, we, we had this good, this young, talented team, but we put this monster non-conference schedule together, and we had gone one and two the first weekend. Our next step is, okay, now go play Kansas at Kansas and Marquette, who went to the Elite Eight, I think, or at least the Sweet 16 the year before. Yeah. And um, our guys really gutted out a couple of wins uh, on that night, which basically changed our season. It was. That, that was the weekend that changed our season. Actually, it was a Thursday-Friday uh, timetable. But it, it really gave us a shot in the arm and, and built some confidence and allowed us to believe, okay, we can, we can do some special things and then really have been doing a great job ever since. Absolutely. Got uh, Kentucky the next weekend, and, and it was off and running. Um, <clears throat> so – it is uh, NCAA is set. Uh, postseason Big Ten awards come out soon. tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay. I knew we were we were yeah. running up on that. Uh, Taylor Anderson gets Setter of the Week for the performance in right. in Michigan last week. So congrats to her. Uh, you guys have you've seen several uh, players be honored in in recent weeks. I've got to think things are looking pretty good for uh, those individual accolades. 
Well, I, I think when you look at who's going to win the big awards, a lot of times people are going to lean towards those teams that win championships. So I would expect Nebraska to be well um, represented on the player of the year or the setter of the year, defensive player of the year, and, and I guess freshman of the year. I think we have some worthy candidates. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know who's done more than Chloe Chacoin, uh, but we didn't win the championship. Right. Um, so that, that will be a factor there. Um, I, I think Franklin is the best player in the league. Um, looking at it just from a non-bias standpoint, she's been really, really good, so I wouldn't be surprised if she's uh, the, the player of the year. But outside of that, I mean, Skimmerhorn's been awesome for us uh, mm -hmm. right at the top of the league in, in defense, but the best thing she does is pass serve. And uh, so th we've all had great years, but at the end of the day, I always tell people, you want to win awards? Win your, win your conference championship or win a national championship, and then the awards just start to fall in place. It's funny how that happens, right? You mm -hmm. you're, uh, you be that top seed, and, and all of a sudden you start mm -hmm. getting other things. Yeah. Um, you talked a little bit. And, and that's, that's not to say that we don't have people that have oh, earned, earned awards because we've had some people play their tails off this year mm -hmm. and in big matches have been at their very, very best. And, um, you know, Eva Hudson on a given day is going to be every good as, bit as good as Beeson or Franklin or, or anyone else. But I, I think when you, it comes down to those are the three that are going to be in the hunt for the player of the year and uh, the other two teams finished ahead of us. Yeah, yeah, that that makes total sense. Uh, and there's there will be a first team and a, and a second team and an honorable mention. Yeah. I, I expect to have several Boilermakers. Yeah, they'll be. There. Yeah, we'll have. I think we'll be well represented. Get. Uh, um, I I would be surprised if we didn't have three on the first team and another one on the second team. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that on uh, on your social media channels in the in the coming days. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned a little bit. I, I know I strayed away from the NCAA tournament, but I want to get back for one last point. Um, you mentioned at your press conference the other day that you know the importance of getting the three seed in a region as opposed to maybe the four seed. And I know you guys were. Uh, the last month or so, hoping to be, you know, a top 16 seed to be yeah. able to host, and then things things broke right. You played really well, right, and you played your way into a three seed. The importance of that potentially down the line, it just it makes things a little bit less difficult, hopefully. A little bit, you know. The first thing you do when you start your season is you're just hoping to make the tournament. Sure. How do we get good enough? How, do, how does our schedule create an opportunity for us to reach an RPI? that's going to allow us to make the NCAA tournament. So that's the first step. And then about two-thirds of the way through the season, we came to the conclusion, okay, we're going to make the NCAA tournament. So now we want to host mm -hmm. because hosting the first two round, rounds gives you an opportunity, a better opportunity to win those two rounds, in my opinion. And then from there, you want to make sure, okay, after that, uh, uh, ideally, if you're you know, a top-five team, you want to be able to host the first four rounds, which is what Stanford, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Pitt are going to be going to be able to do. That's an incredible luxury. Yeah. I would love to see now that volleyball is blowing up and attendances are, are, are really, really high, that we can get to a neutral site yeah. uh, for those, which is what you see with men's basketball all the way through. Um, but that may be a few years coming uh, before that happens. But um, we certainly uh, – then you're talking about, okay, so now you're, you're seated. The difference between being on the three line or the four line is – because of what I just talked about, is if you're on the four line, you're going to go into somebody else's gym mm -hmm. and play the number one seed in that region. So for us, if we were the, on the four line, we'd be going to Madison and playing Wisconsin in the round of 16. Yep. Now you're playing Oregon, who's coming across the country, 
and uh, is on a neutral floor uh, if we get that far. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that that's what you're fighting for all along. You, there's never a day off because there's even when you do make the tournament, now all of a sudden you've upped your level of 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 want and to, to get more, <laughs> yes. and and that's just how it works all the way through the entire season. There's no such thing as enough. You always want more, right? That's that's the nature of things. You saw that. Uh, exactly what you're talking about play out back in 21 when you guys went to Pitt, mm-hmm. but you drew into BYU in the Sweet 16 right, matchup, right. and it was an a great match with BYU. Jump. One in which you know we could have lost the fourth, but uh-huh. we came back to win it in dramatic fashion, and uh, then won won the fifth. It was it was a fun fun match, but we knew it was a fair shake. Yep, you're on a neutral floor. Next night, not quite the same. You're playing Pitt in their place. Uh, we thought that meant, we thought that tournament, that regional tournament, was going to be played in their new basketball venue. Yep. Instead, they played there in the new basketball venue for the first and second round, and then decided to shift into the old uh, kind of like a Lambert Fieldhouse effect, um, if you will, yeah. is where they have their uh, where they play most of their volleyball matches. They kind of got it back for them into a more friendly confines, um, and it, it worked to their favor for it sure. It did. Uh, it, the Boilermakers will be. Looking to build on that experience for sure. A couple of players on this team were on that team, and mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure you'll rely heavily. The the players at least will probably rely heavily on those upperclassmen. Yeah, and even though we're really really young, we've got plenty of NCAA experience on this team from playing you know four matches two years ago in the tournament to two matches last year in in a really a tough place to play down at Louisville. Uh, and a good win over uh, Tennessee. You know, last year we thought Tennessee was really good. Yeah. And now, when they return a lot of those players from last year, they've they've been ranked in the top ten all season. So they were good a year ago. And then Louisville, of course, is uh, you know one of the top six or seven teams in the country. Um, so that was a tall order a year ago for for our group to go down there. But th- this 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 feels better. Um, but it's just all about how your kids are going to compete on each night. Hundred percent. We've we've learned over the years that. It can feel however it feels, but if, if you don't show up and play, then then just about anybody at this level can can reach up and grab you. Good thing is, Corey, and, and you've watched a lot of our matches. Is they they this group shows up. They do. Um, sometimes maybe not right out of the right out of the gate, but at some point in time during the match, they recognize it's time to lace them up a little tighter and, and go play. Yeah. And it's it's been fun to see that. Uh, I guess, come to fruition. I want to explore that a little bit in the second half. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back with Coach Dave Shondell. Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Now back to the show. All right, Coach. Uh, you mentioned just before the break that this this team, when, when it really matters, they know how to lace them up a little bit tighter, and uh, it's a team full of gamers. Where does that fight come from and I'm not sure lacing them up tighter is the, the, the best <laughs> way to describe that narrow their focus yeah um, raise the intensity level uh, change the looks on their faces are all things that I think they do um, you know I, I hate to really you know single out people I think that contribute most to anything but um, certainly Eva Hudson has a look on her face when it comes down to crunch time that I think everybody in the gym knows she means business Mm -hmm. and you want her you want her in that mode and I think at tournament time you're going to see her in that mode Uh, Raven Colvin uh, doesn't necessarily have the same facial expressions um, but she knows when it's time yeah 
um, and, 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 she's, and she shows up. Chloe Chacoin, you know, she plays hard all the time, but she also understands, uh, you know, she's one of the most competitive players that I've, I've ever been around, really her and Eva, uh, both. They just, they, just, they just do not want to get beat. Yeah. And when you look at their track record over the course of time, you can see how that has impacted the teams that they've been on. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't get beat a whole lot. But, you know, same thing goes. I mean, Lourdes Myers is a, a quiet competitor. You know, she's not quite as outgoing and noticeable as some other people. But, boy, you know, she really competes. And I'd say, our, you know, some of our ball control people and Skimmer Horn and Allie Horning are the same. They're, they're nice, wonderful people, but they want to win. And uh, so I, I think that this is one of the more competitive teams, just emotionally competitive, gritty um, teams that I've ever had the fortune to coach. You get – in college athletics, it's easy – it's, it's easy to create a narrative that a program has a certain culture, and it's true to a degree, mm-hmm. but I think what often gets ignored or, or maybe not talked about enough is every team, every year, is slightly different than the year before. Mm-hmm. Players come in, players leave. You don't know how the chemistry is going to necessarily react, yeah. and usually it's if you've got a strong culture, it's usually pretty good, but not always. Yeah. If, you, if, you know, sometimes you can hit a, a great, sort of combination of different types of leaders who amongst them have a unified vision but can reach everyone on the team. Yeah, you ought to be like a team-building leader or something. (laughs) That's maybe something you go into in your next uh, occupation. There we go. I'm Um, always looking for career changes. Now, there's been, you know, we think we've got a culture that does exude toughness and confidence, but there have been some teams that we haven't had enough of it. Right. I can promise you that. And, um, And, but that's who, you know, we recruit them. And it's just really hard to, to know who, who you're getting in, yeah. in down deep. You start diving deep into their soul and figuring out who they really are. You don't have time to do that when you're recruiting. I mean, if they can touch 10 foot five or 10 foot six and, and their athletic is all get out and they come from a good, a good family and a good club, then you're thinking, we're in business. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we need. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you, you find some others that maybe um, bring that extra that extra juice that you're talking about. And, and, and like I said, I think that we're, we're in a good place with that. And, but the other thing is we're in a time and era right now where it's, you're talking about building a culture. There's never been a more challenging time to do that in college athletics than right now. I mean, I, I just look at, you know, what, what's happened in football across the country right yes. now. Um, first thing people do is how fast can they get on, you know, the portal to see if somebody's going to offer them a, a better situation. Um, and, and that's just a real challenge. We got one of the best young coaching staffs in the country here at Purdue. And, and I know that they're working as hard as they can to provide whatever our players need, what's fair, you know, uh, for them. But what a great group of people to play for. Uh-huh. I mean, the same program that had a sellout here almost, I think, maybe every game of the season. It, it was very close. And, and, yet, and yet they weren't beating people at the pace that most fans would, would want to support a team. But here at Purdue, they had them out there. So, yeah, you can go some other place where people might get disenchanted with you after about two or three games. Or you can come to Purdue mm-hmm. where the fans are the most loyal that you're going to find anywhere. They're going to care about you, do things for you, and eventually all that comes to what you want, which is opportunities down the road to get where you want to go and have the things that you need. So uh, I'm just, I just think it's, it's a terrific place. And, um, but at, at the end of the day, people sometimes have to look, by, look past what somebody can give me tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And you make a great point about Purdue and, and sort of the culture of being a supporter of Purdue. It's, you see it in football. You see it in volleyball. Mm-hmm. It's a full gym. 
Yeah. It doesn't matter who we're playing. Look, does it? I, I got a feeling be full of Mackey tonight too. I Mackey will be full. It's the same <laughs> in basketball. The women's basketball, men's yeah. basketball is that way. Women's yeah. basketball tennis is, yeah. is trending the right oh, yeah. direction. Absolutely. You realize how spoiled we are when you start going other places and seeing other venues yeah. that aren't full. Yeah. You know, maybe they've got an okay team and they're yeah. got a half full stadium and that just that doesn't cut no, it's, it. It's a it's a special place and I just Sometimes young athletes don't recognize the value of that, what it's like to, to charge onto a floor or a playing field and, and have – how many students do we have showing up for those football games? Oh, I mean, you got to know. Yeah, at least. Yeah. And, and, they, and they make all the noise. And, mm-hmm. uh, same thing as having that, that block party makes a huge difference. I mean, it's a recruiting advantage yeah. when you have that. Now, does it does it – does it mean more to people than somebody writing checks to them? I, I don't know. That's something we're going to find out as, as time goes on. That's for sure. That is, uh, that is the ever-changing aspect of this. I mentioned at the top we talk about the way the regular season wrapped up. Let's go ahead and do that. I, I know that trip to Michigan is never easy for a lot of reasons. Yeah, it's a nightmare sometimes. And, and all you guys did was go up there and take care of business, a, a pair of sweeps over a game Michigan team and a good Michigan State team. And just little things that we we were we benefited from was that, you know, Michigan had a big football game up there on Saturday, but we got to play on Friday. Uh-huh. Indiana, our traveling partner, had the reverse. They played Michigan State on Friday and then had to go to Michigan on on Saturday. Okay. So they couldn't even find a hotel to stay at over there unless they were going to pay a thousand dollars a night for a two night minimum. So they ended up spending the extra night in East Lansing. So we were actually at the same hotel oh, okay. on, on Friday night. Uh, we just happened to be in the town we were going to play. They had to wait till around you know one or two o'clock, and then get in the bus and drive seventy minutes um, over to Ann, Ann Arbor to play. But little things sometimes make a difference when you st- talk about these road trips that that you're on. And ours, fortunately, was was very smooth. Uh, we ran into teams that were you know that playing their last couple matches. They're not in the tournament, but they still have a lot to prove because they got new coaching staffs. One's a second-year coaching staff at Michigan State with Leah Johnson, Aaron Virtue in her very first year at Michigan. So they're still trying like heck to, uh-huh. to prove something, to create something, to generate uh, what they want. So those, they're not going to quit in the last weekend of the season. They're, they're still searching. And so I knew it would be tough, and I was just felt thrilled that we got out of both those places with sweeps. Uh, Michigan, we were n- really never behind, I don't mm-hmm. think, all night in that match at Michigan. Michigan State, they jumped on us in the first and really were up 23-20 in the first set. And I'm thinking, well, this isn't going to be a sweep. Uh, but yet um, our players recovered, mm-hmm. and we found a way to win that one. I'm not sure what it was, 26-24 maybe. Stormed back, and then we won the, the next two rather handily. Yeah. And, and got back with our seventh win in a row. And uh, with our team playing pretty well. Seventh win in a row in the Big Ten, it doesn't matter who those seven opponents are. That's saying something. Well, and ours have not been uh, chopped liver either, been. by That's the way. True. When, you, when you throw Minnesota <laughs> in there twice uh, and, and Wisconsin in there once and Penn State in there another time, um, you know, you're really talking about some of the better teams in, in the league. And it is too bad that we just got five teams in the NCAA tournament this year. That is probably an all-time low since I've been here. Um, but again, that's something that I think that we'll have to address in our Big Ten coaches meeting in about another month or so, uh, maybe two months, on how did that happen and how do we prevent it from happening again. It was no, no skin off our tail because yeah. we're in and we got a good seed. But somehow um, there, there were some really, really good teams. And I'll go ahead and say it, Indiana is an NCAA tournament team. I totally agree. Um, and uh, they probably were the next team that I thought 
you know, should have been in the tournament. You've got Illinois, Northwestern, Michigan State, all had, you know, good-looking records, and they lost some early that hurt them because they were rebuilding, whatever it might have been. Uh, but the Big Ten has great talent, yeah. and, you know, people want to argue that. And, but sometimes just because you got great talent doesn't mean you're going to be great the first four or five weeks of the season. It takes some time. And uh, we had some people scheduled too tough, mm-hmm. and they lost a bunch of matches, and that had a ripple effect on other teams in our league, and therefore we get just five teams in the tournament, and I, I hope that never happens again. I totally agree. You look at Indiana, they finished 21-12. and 12. They went out and challenged themselves in the non-conference, had a couple what you would categorize as good losses mm-hmm. in the non-conference, but you're right. You know, they, they get drugged down by yeah, the and, RPI and, metric. And I look at that tournament they went to that looked like a great tournament at the time. They went out to Long Beach, and mm-hmm. they played Long Beach, UCLA, and Washington. I believe those are the three. Those are the three. And, but none of those three made the NCAA tournament. And it, I, I go back to 2000, and I think it was 2009, um, when we did make the NCAA tournament one year, uh-huh. and we played Notre Dame and um, Moorhead State, and some other people that traditionally had been 25 to 30 game winners, and they just bottomed out. That was the year that they all bottomed yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. They and drug us down. And so it wasn't anything that we did. Our team was, was still the same as it was going to be, yeah. but the problem was who you play and the almighty RPI has a huge impact, and it really hurt. When you look at some other metrics, you look at the Massey, or you look at the Pablo, and Indiana would have been the tournament, mm-hmm. but not in the RPI. And so, I mean, I think they've got a legitimate gripe, and, and uh, they had a great year. Um, I know when, when they beat us down there, there wasn't anything shocking about it to mm-hmm. me. They just they were better than us on that night. Now, that was early in the Big Ten season, and we certainly progressed s- since then. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, Indiana was a really, really good volleyball team with some special characters, and many of those, guys, many of those people are back. Something, uh, something for you coaches to talk about here in the offseason in about a month or so once the offseason finally hits. For now, we're – we're more focused on Thursday night, 7 o'clock against Fairfield. Right. Um, coach, uh, final thoughts? Head of the well, we just have you know two more days to, to, to practice and, and, and get ready and, and be focused on Fairfield. And you know, when, you, when you go into these events, you know, your staff is working behind the scenes to be ready for every team. Yep. And at the same time, you've got to kind of go over some things that you may see on Friday night a little bit in practice without – you have to know, okay, what can our team handle? Can I tell them we're working on this because there's a chance we might play Eastern Illinois or Marquette or wherever it might be? Because yeah. you just can't come in. and Mar- Like, for example, Marquette runs a super fast offense. Well, Fairfield doesn't. Right. So, you know, how do you balance that out during this week to make sure that you're ready to play whoever it is you're going to play to advance on to the next round? Good luck. I'm sure uh, you've got enough experience on your resume to to have figured that out for sure. A lot of years of, of coaching, but uh, everything's every every year's different. I think you've already pointed that <laughs> out today. That's once. very true. Uh, if you can't make it to Holloway, or if you can't secure yourself a ticket, these matches will be available on ESPN Plus. I believe they are for free. Uh, being NCAA postseason, they'll be streamed on ESPN Plus. So uh, that's a beautiful it. thing. You know, years ago mm-hmm. you'd say stream to somebody, and they'd say, oh, "I can't get that." Well, I think everybody can get streamed now. Everybody gets and it. You can watch every every match in the tournament that you you want to, and um, I'm sure that the following week, the most of them will all be on. What do they call linear TV? Or yeah, call li- linear television. Yep, yep. 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 With uh, ESPN and ESPNU jumping in, uh, yep. the national title game is going to be on ABC this year. Right. Which it's going to uh, be. I think there's going to be a 
a two-day break in between uh-huh. to put it on a Sunday. Put it on a Sunday. So they play Thursday semis, and then they, 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 they wait, and then they're going to play it on a Sunday. So that's interesting. I'm not sure I'll be down in Tampa that long unless we're in that, in that championship <laughs> well, we match. Hope, we, hope that, we hope for that. Yeah. Uh, it's nice that the folks uh, in the TV suites have finally figured out what we've known for years, right? That, yeah. Uh, this, is a, this is a sport worth paying attention to. It's a good time to be involved in the sport of volleyball. Well, Coach, good luck this week. Thank you.